Well, guys, it is a privilege to get to be with you here tonight. If you brought a copy of God's Word, I encourage you to open it to Colossians chapter 1. I have to be honest, I haven't been here in junior boys in a little while, and I have never heard junior boys sing like you guys sang tonight. That was awesome. I, uh, I loved it. I love singing, and I love um, that we can clap for Jesus Christ and not just for sporting events. Uh, it's exciting to me when there are kids that are excited about that, so thank you for your energy. I love junior boys. It's a blessing to be here, and I'm so glad to get to speak to you this week. My name's Aaron Moore. I'm the pastor of St. Ansgar Baptist Church, where you don't know where it is most likely, but that doesn't matter. Um, I get to look at the Word of God with you, and I'm excited about that. We're talking about riding for the brand, and uh, it was a little bit surreal for me because junior boys, I would say, um, I stayed back and uh, stayed in junior boys as long as I could because I loved junior boys when I was a junior boyer's age. And junior boys has a special place in my heart. It was at junior boys that I felt called into the ministry. I don't remember who was speaking, who was up on the platform. I don't remember what they talked about, but I remember um, just feeling led to go into the ministry, to serve, to become a pastor. And I was your age. And I dedicated my life to serve God in that way. And then it was really, really cool just to have Josh up here leading. He did an awesome job. I am not musically gifted, and so I love it when people who are musically gifted just sing their guts out for Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, I, I remember him from 15 years ago when I was in VBS about your guys' age, and he was leading music back at the church that he was there. And as I thought about that, and I thought about the message, and I thought about the theme for this week, one of the things that struck me is, uh, does, do you guys know what a brand is? Let's look at this first picture here. Oh, I got the clicker. <laughs> uh, how many of you guys recognize any of these brands? Yeah, okay, yell out which one you recognize. Stop. Oh, that's what I love about junior boys. All those are different brands, and a good employee seeks to make that brand look great. A brand, though, is also something that you put on a cattle to identify it with the owner to whom it belongs. And you know, Scripture teaches us that there are only two brands, and every single one of you has one of those brands on you. Either you are a child of God, or Jesus says, you're of your father, the devil. There's only two different brands, children of God, children of Satan, those who are born again and those who are not. So we're going to talk this week about living for Jesus Christ, how to receive Christ, how to receive the brand to become a child of God. And we're going to look at Colossians chapter 1. I want you to know tonight that Jesus is the brand for which we ride. And to ride for the brand means to live in such a way that your life makes others think that Jesus is great. In our text, Paul shows us five reasons why Jesus is great, and then we'll make an application at the end. The number one reason that Jesus is great is because Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. If you jump down to verse 19, it says, In him all the fullness of God 
was pleased to dwell. Jesus is God. How in the world do we know that Jesus is God? One of the reasons is because God promised this in Isaiah 42. He says, I am the Lord, that's my name. My glory I give to no other and my praise to carved images. God does not share his glory. We don't get to steal of God's glory. We don't get to ride for our own glory. Yet in John chapter 17, look at what Jesus said. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Now, shout out to me. What percent of glory does God share with others? Zero, zero, okay. What did Jesus just ask for here? He asked for glory. Watch what happens in verse five. It says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, the son may glorify you. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. What this teaches us is that Jesus Christ is God. He receives glory. We can worship him and the Father gives him glory. You know, it's interesting that sometimes people, uh, when I'm talking to people, talking about Jesus and they find out that God wants us to live our lives for him. Every single one of you, he wants you to live your life for him. He wants me to live my life for him. They're like, God's an egomaniac. Why does he want all that attention? Well, because he's worthy of it. But also, we actually even get this. Have you guys ever seen this screen? That's the most annoying screen at the beginning of every single movie. Because the skip button won't work. You can't get past this screen. What this is, though, is an anti-piracy warning saying we don't share the glory of this movie. The point is, you can't steal the glory. Even our world gets that glory is not something that you get to steal and that it's wrong to steal glory. So Jesus is worthy of being followed. He is the brand boss because he is God. Secondly, he is the creator and sustainer. Jesus is the creator and he's the sustainer. Look at verses 16 through 17. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 through 17. By him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. I won't tell you who, what YouTuber I was watching last week, but just the other day, I watched a YouTuber who uh, tried to look into the supernatural the invisible things. This says that Jesus created what we can see and what we can't see. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Jesus Christ is the creator and sustainer. I want to introduce you to someone my wife, <laughs> that's my uh, beautiful wife, Emily, but also this is our precious dog, Cora. Uh, that's Cora as a puppy in both pictures because she's not as pretty now. She got gray and she looks old. But anyway, so I put old pictures in there. Cora is the dog that we got years ago. Now look at this. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Junior boyers don't, <laughs> they're not sentimental about anything. That's our pretty dog and our little girl. It is a Bernadoula, that's right. Now, Cora, we did not create Cora, but we sustain her. We've got to feed her, we've got to walk her, we've got to do a ton of stuff to take care of her. But our children, one that you can see there in the picture, the one that's going to be running around, you'll see I've got two of my kids around here running around. 
And I've got a fly up here that's running around with me. Some kid up here is like, hey, that's God's creation. It's like, yeah. You try speaking with a fly flying around your face. We, we did not sustain, we sustain Korah, but we did not create her. How does Jesus sustain us, though? He sustains us spiritually. It says in Scripture, and this is one of the most encouraging verses to me, that Jesus gives us the desire and the power to do his will. He also sustains us physically. Paul said, in him we live and move and have our being. Raise both your hands up like this and go like that. Go like this. You can do that because Jesus Christ, in him you live and move and have your being. Okay, hands down. He also sustains us personally. David knew that God formed him, but then constantly praised God for protecting him. And listen, a good rancher provides food and all the necessities for his ranch hands, but Jesus isn't just called a rancher. He's called the good shepherd who protects and provides for his sheep. Why is Jesus worthy of following? Because he is God, because he is the creator and the sustainer, the one who gives you life. But the third reason is because Jesus is the head of the body is what it says. Jesus is the head. It gives us the picture that like a, like a body, Jesus is the one that controls. Look at verse 18. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, he might be praised. Very recently, well, actually in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, we're told that you can't serve God and money. And very recently, um, I was really encouraged as I began to think about the definition that Jesus Christ is Lord or that he is master. I was meditating on that. Um, being a pastor looks a lot more fun from the chairs than it does in reality. Being a pastor is often very hard work. There are a lot of joys I would say there are heights of joys that most don't get to experience and there are depths of sorrow that others don't get to experience. It's a privilege and it's a responsibility and literally for the last year, um, being a pastor has been really hard for me. Uh, it felt like there was a cloud over me and I couldn't explain it. Um, I've had difficult times in the past and almost every single time it was connected to a sin that I would, had committed but I hadn't repented of and this time, I just couldn't explain it. Um, we had some really, really close friends that left, and I think that contributed to it. Uh, we got hurt in a few different ways. And I came to camp, and I was asked to preach, and I remember thinking, how do I get up in front of all these, these, these kids and, and preach about the goodness of God when my heart is hurting so bad? And so I got up, and if you were, you might have been, well, it was at a winter meltdown. I just, <laughs> I just spewed my guts of what God had been doing. I preached three sermons. One was life is hard. And you know, there are some of you in here who know exactly that life is hard. Even as a junior boy, you've already gone through things that many of us in our 20s and 30s have never experienced. But it was three, three truths about God that I, or about life that I had forgotten. Life is hard. Satan is real. Satan is opposed to you. And that also God is involved. And in that time, I began meditating on the fact that Jesus says that he is Lord, he is master, he is in control. And it became very, very comforting for me because as a pastor, you seek to lead your church. Where are we supposed to go? What's the next step? How do we connect? How do, how do I try to connect with how many of you are here? Do you, anyone know? 300, 400? I heard 356. 
306. 306. Did they announce that? I must have missed that announcement. Okay. That's what I get for showing up late. 306. You guys all have different life backgrounds. You've all got different joys, different sorrows, different struggles, different family situations. How in the world do I minister to you? Well, that's when I realized Jesus was, I was comforted by Jesus' Lord. And that means it's his job to direct my future and it's my job to respond. And I want you to know that part of following Jesus Christ is that you don't get to set the trajectory of your life. You don't get to pick out and say, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I'm the one who gets to pick out where I'm going. It's, God, I'm going to submit to you as Lord and let you lead. And the body functions best when it listens to the head. Can you imagine if each one of your, well, I'm going to get into this tomorrow. I'm getting ahead of myself. But can you imagine if each one of your body parts had a say in what direction you were going? You know, like the the pinky wanted to go this way and the nose wanted to go this way and the foot wanted to go this way and this foot wanted to go this way. You'd just be paralyzed. You'd be stuck. That's why we listen to God, we listen to what Christ says, and we obey him. Fourth reason to love Jesus and to follow him is because he is the way to God. You heard that in the skit tonight. It's not about going to church. It's not about going to church camp. The only way that we can go to heaven, the only way that we can be a child of God is through Jesus Christ. It says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, And through him, well, let's start in verse 19. For in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Reconciliation has been defined by Wearsby as the permanent bringing together of a believing sinner and God through Jesus Christ. What that means is that you and I are separated naturally from God. We are enemies of God. And I have a when I was in junior boys, um, it was really, really important to be cool. And uh, now that I'm 30, I've realized I'm, I'm never going to get to that spot. So I've finally given up this year. But anyway, uh, in junior boys, I had a best friend that I came to junior boys camp with. And he was one of those, those kids, you know, that he's like two to three times the size of the rest of us. You know who I'm talking about? Like he's, we were way bigger than every other junior boyer here. And he was the coolest kid. I thought he was so cool. And uh, so I was always trying to hang out with him. But he was one time standing in line to go eat. And these, uh, these kids played a joke on him. And uh, they said, hey, do you know if your hand's bigger than your face, you have cancer? Yeah, you know that joke. You know how it goes. He hadn't heard this one before. Mind you, he's bigger than all of them, so I'm not sure why they thought it was a good idea to play it on him. But uh, I'm going to stand way far back so no one runs up on me. (laughs) The joke is you stick your hand in front of your face, and then whoever tells you the joke smacks your hand into your face. Well, there are two boys. One of them's like, ha-ha, and he went to smack the kid in the face. This other guy just wound up and punched him as hard as he could. And my best friend had one pair of nice shorts that he brought, and his nose started bleeding, and it just went everywhere and he swang so hard at that kid I was like it's a good thing he ducked but those two boys and my best friend they were enemies after that they did not like each other there was a feud almost immediately but guess what one of those boys came up to my friend later and he was mad and he came up and he said I'm so sorry that I started that joke that was wrong of me Um, I shouldn't have done that is a horrible example. 
Guess what happened? My friend forgave him, and they became best buds for the rest of the week. They became friends. Listen, the scripture says all of us have sinned, and that God, yeah, the other one did not ever reconcile. I want to share with you the gospel. This is a gospel acrostic um, that's been a blessing to me. It's from Dare to Share Ministries. It's that God created us to be with him. God desires that you be a follower of Christ. But there's a problem, O, is that our sin separates us from God. Romans 3.23 says all of us have sinned. All of us have become enemies of God. And our sins, as we learned in the skit tonight, our sins can't, can't be paid for by good works. But man's problem is that we sin. And sin's penalty is death. It's a separation from God. This is from the bridge track. Maybe you've seen it before. But our sins cannot be removed by good deeds. We can't do enough good. It's while we are enemies with God that we are reconciled to him. You can't preach and become a child of God. You must receive it through Christ. Here's another picture. You can't do enough good works. You can't just be religious enough. I live in a town where everyone's religious. I mean, it seems like every person you talk to, they're religious. But religion will never get you to God. Good works will never get you to God. Money will never get you to God. Being a good little kid will never get to you to God. I'm telling you guys, when I sat where you are, as a junior boyer, I was a good little kid. I mean, I sat still during the service. At every invitation at the end of the night, you know, I cried and I went back to my counselor. I was a good little kid. But my heart was still so often pursuing the things of this world. I was a believer. I was a follower of Christ. But I didn't have a love for Jesus. I, I, I was trying to live in a way that just made me look good. But morality won't get you there. Paying the price for sin, though, Jesus Christ died and rose again. It says in Scripture that Christ's payment is the only way that we can get to God. We can go across on Jesus Christ because of his goodness. And every single person who trusts in him alone has eternal life. That means you. That means me. Every single person that's going to be in heaven is going to be there because they trusted in Jesus Christ, not because they were better than someone else, not because they had more money than someone else, not because they uh, went to camp more than someone else. And that life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Like I said, I live in a town where it's extremely religious. And just the other day, I was talking to a guy. We, uh, we had someone in our town. He was a huge hunter. I mean, he loved hunting. And to go into this guy's house, half of you would probably love it. I don't know how the rest of you feel about hunting. Okay, let's see. How do you feel about hunting? Okay. Well, I, I killed a fly and someone yells at me for killing a fly. So I wasn't sure how hunting was going to go over. But this guy, he had hunted all around the world. Literally, he had shot some of the biggest animals around. And he would bring them back and he'd stuff them and put them in his living room. I walked into this guy's house with my daughter because he, he just died while he was out on a hunting trip, had a heart attack, and he died. And I went over to check on his wife. She's our neighbor. And I took my daughter along with us. And there's a full-size lion in their house. I'm dead serious, guys. So in the, they have a huge house. They literally built an addition for all their wall mounts. Full-size lion, and it's like growling at him. And then right over in the corner is a nine-and-a-half-foot-tall brown bear. Just huge. And they've got, he's got leopards, and he's got two other grizzly bears, and he's got a black bear, and he's got all these deer and antelope, and all of these animals. And I went to his funeral, and uh, the preacher said, 
We know he's in heaven because he was baptized at this age. The guy, I talked to him about Jesus. He didn't want anything to do with Jesus. But this preacher got up and said, oh, he's definitely in heaven because he got baptized as a child. It's like, no, 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 no. He only can be saved by Jesus Christ. But after his death, I was talking to someone in the community who is a really close friend of his, and I was sharing this gospel acrostic with him. And I walked right through this with him. And I said, you know, one of the sad things about our town is that there's so many people who have a hope so salvation. They hope that they're going to go to heaven. They hope that they have eternal life, but they don't know. And you know what this guy said to me? He goes, well, I'm just counting on me have done, doing, have done enough things that when I get to heaven, God and I will be good. And I just walked through this. Guys, you can know this week that you have eternal life because of what God promises. We're gonna focus on that Wednesday, but we're gonna talk about it every single night. And so what's the application for us? Well, here, this is, this is what God promises. When you receive Christ as your savior, when you trust that he died for you and that he takes his perfect righteousness and gives it to you as eternal life, God promises eternal life, that there is no condemnation, that you have passed from death to life. And so Jesus, this, looking to Jesus is the goal of the Christian. This should be the thing that we pursue. Looking to Jesus and looking like Jesus should be the goal of a Christian. Romans chapter eight, you're gonna turn to a different text here, but Romans chapter eight, we sang it in our song. We sang it in our song tonight. Romans chapter eight. I hope that as you grow up, you're gonna have all sorts of different things that uh, you pursue. Some of you are super athletic, um, I, the, oh, the most athletic I ever was was actually at Junior Boys. Uh, I never would win those competitions, all those sports competitions. I could never win anything but Gaga Ball. I was like undefeated in Gaga Ball. I am no longer undefeated. I think every Junior Boy here can probably beat me now. But I used to be undefeated. But every single one of us is going to follow something for the rest of our life. And Jesus Christ is someone that you can follow whether you're athletic or not, whether you're tall or short. And so we want to look like him. Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says, or yeah, verse, let's start in verse 28. Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined or he chose beforehand to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Those are a lot of big words. We're going to look at them on Wednesday. What I want you to know is the goal is that you begin to look more and more like Jesus Christ. Now, I have a side gig, and my side gig is detailing cars. Have you ever watched, how many of you have watched a video of someone detailing cars? You watched me do it? Who said that? Oh, okay. So, my favorite YouTuber that details cars is called the Detail Geek. And when I began to detail cars, my goal was to do as much as I could just like him. Literally, I follow almost all the same steps. I don't use all the same chemicals because his are way too expensive. I use cheaper ones, but I do all the same things as he does. And so here's a picture of a little bit of my work. That was a before on the left, and that was after I was done with it. This is hard to see. But before and then after, that is the carpet. And I seek to look more and more like him. I just got into an exterior detail this last week. 
I seek to grow to look more and more like this detail geek who does a really good job. My question for you is, what are you becoming more and more like? As you think about your own life, who are you following? Who do you hope to emulate? Are you trying to look like the coolest kid in your school? Are you trying to be the next sports star? Are you trying to, probably not millionaire, you're probably not thinking about that right now, hopefully. <laughs> I'll talk to your counselors about that. You know, you, who are you trying to become? And a good question is, who, who are you becoming? There's an old saying, um, outlook determines outcome, which just means what you're focused on is what you pursue. And so tonight I wanted to encourage you, focus on Jesus Christ. He is the brand for which we ride. So we're going to go ahead and pray. Um, while I'm praying, the counselors can go ahead and sneak out. If there's anything that you would like to talk to your counselor about tonight that stuck out to you from the message, um, while we're singing our song, you can go ahead and do that. But really be thinking through that question. One, what's the brand that's on you? Are you a child of God or a child of Satan? Then question number two, what are you following? Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you for Jesus Christ, and I thank you that he is the only person worth following, and he is the person that anyone can follow, rich or poor, tall or short, no matter what we have, if we're athletic, if we're not athletic. And God, I just pray that you would work mightily here in our lives, that you give us a desire, give these young boys a desire to follow you. I pray that that would come out in how they play sports this week and how they serve in their cabins and how they clean up their cabins and how they honor and respect their counselors. But I, I pray, Lord, there's some here you know who still have the brand of Satan. Uh, they have not yet chosen to be followers of Christ. They have yet, not yet said, hey, I need Jesus Christ to save me from my sins. I pray that this week you'd open their eyes to that, that you would save them and that they would trust in you. Be with each one of our counselors Give them a heart for you. Lord, you know that as adults, there are so many things that constantly seek to pull our attention away from you. And I pray that this week would be a, a recentering where we say Jesus has to be the most important in my life. If we're married in our marriage, if we have kids in our parenting, if we have with our jobs and our careers. So we surrender this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen.